Welcome back to another episode of Lost Down. I'm your host tonight, Wally Lukashinsky. I'm with David Klaben again. Steven will be back with us on Thursday, but it's a special episode today, David. You and I, we're both coming back from trips to make it for episode 100, and nothing more fitting than this loss of down conglomerate disaster that we are than literally having this computer up as we get back from our trips. So let's start with that. You were up in Madison this weekend. How was it? It was good. So Madison was great. Travel was terrible. So on the front end, and you'll appreciate this. So Chicago or Cleveland to Chicago, uh, first leg, great. Like I had plane seat was was comfortable, whatever. Chicago to Madison, which is realistically, it's a 23 minute flight. So like, you know, but it, it make they make it an hour because you taxi out of Chicago for 20 minutes. And then you're on the flight for 23 minutes. And then you got another like five minutes of taxiing in Madison. But anyways, that fucking plane was like a Honda Civic with wings. I, buddy, I barely fit in the seat. I'm leaning in the aisle way to stay away, like to not fucking, you know, be the fat guy that takes up all the room and the guy next to me. And, and your I back always like, starts hurting when that happens too. Yeah, you dude, I lean. Yep, I was like literally in pain, and like the seat I was in didn't have like I couldn't lift the fu- the uh, uh whatever armrest in the aisle, so I'm literally like, you know, just fucking sideways over the seat. Like, holy shit, I need to lose weight. Like, this is unacceptable. So that's that's whatever. That was like forty minutes of misery, and it's it's bitch misery, right? Like that's just me bitching. But on the way back, I'm sitting in Madison Airport. My flight's at eleven fifty. I get there at nine because I'm just like, I'm ready to go. I will sit in the airport and sit on my computer. Like I'll, you know, I'll do whatever I need to do to pass time. Right. And at like, I'm, I get there at nine at like 10 after I've been sitting at the gate for probably 45 minutes, I get an alert that my flight's been delayed till one forty or one thirty six or something. And that puts me in Chicago at like, 2 30 ish and my chicago flight to cleveland's at like it leaves at 2 45 and there's a gate change in chicago so there's no fucking way i can make it at that point and so you know i go back down i'm looking at rental cars there's none available to go back to cleveland one way i'm looking at all these options united doesn't have any more flights and so eventually i came to the conclusion i'm just going to get to chicago and catch my flight in chicago so united refunds me for the first leg and then I fucking Ubered, which was a two-hour Uber and $200. I Ubered to Chicago to catch my flight. I get there about two hours before my flight's supposed to take off, which is perfect. Like, I, I, you know, whatever. Like, an hour before that flight's supposed to take off, it gets delayed 30 minutes. So, realistically, I probably could have made both flights, but I didn't know that. And so, I ended up being miserable as fuck in an Uber for two hours to Chicago where the Uber driver was like texting and driving twice and like was like going left and right between a lane and like 80 miles an hour. And I just like, man, I got car sick at one point for like 10 minutes. And I was just like, I can't, like, I cannot believe this is happening to me on the way back from Madison. But outside of that, the actual, everything in Madison was fantastic. I really enjoyed my time, but the travel really ruined my experience. That's me. That's me bitching. I'm done bitching. Wally, as Stephen would say, how the hell are you? How was Vegas? Did we come out successful or are we down bad? So I was down because naturally the way the sports year is going, of course I'd be down. This is my first time ever doing this 
Vegas trip with this group that's been doing it for about a decade now. And everybody got their ass kicked. And they were, first of all, thank God I'm poor. So like when you're poor, you don't lose as much money because you don't have as much to lose. So that part was great. The guys I'm with, more successful, they're listening. They know who I'm talking about. They're the type of guys that are throwing up like commas on money lines, the way that you would bet you're like Bill's money line. And the reason I say Bill's money line is because it got dark there for about three hours. The group was in a bad place. So that was it. I mean, it was a blast. I should say that first and foremost. It was an outstanding time. We'll have to ask Stephen what he thought about his first trip out there. But unreal. But yeah, they, they're a, a tax bracket above me without a doubt, which made things a little different. Plane ride, though. I'm glad you brought that up. Every time I take a plane ride, especially because talk about being poor, what do I fly? I fly spirit. When I'm flying spirit, they basically duct tape me into this little tiny seat, like you said, and every single flight back, the beauty of flying home with spirit is it reinvigorates me to lose weight every single time. Cause I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm doing this again. It don't matter where I'm flying. It's hell dude. Anyways, a couple no, of no, things. Wait, 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 wait. Well, I was no, no. How was the flight? So here's the th here's why I, I'm gonna ask. I, I say how was the flight other than the seat because the first time and the last time I flew to Vegas, I think it was on Frontier. It might have been Spirit, but I thought it was on Frontier. Could be wrong. Either or, it's the poor. It's like the fucking Value City Airlines. Yes. Uh, the the fucking plane was filled with people who did not want to shut the fuck up. And so it was loud. And then it was like 85 fucking degrees on the plane. Dude, That's I wanted hell. to die. I was ready to fucking jump out of the plane without a parachute. I wanted to die on the way. It was perfect on the way back. But on the way in, I was like, they're literally trying to cook me like I'm a fucking, like I, they're trying to boil me. And I was miserable as fuck. So did you have an experience like that? Or was yours perfectly fine from a temperature perspective? Temperature, fine. It's, I'm glad you actually brought this up because I think I would have forgot because the way down was actually a breeze. It, it takes longer going east to west, so I'm glad it was in the easier way. But I got the exit row, more feet room, because the hardest part for me, you know, as a bigger guy, typically, I think a lot of people don't understand this, is your knees are, like, so close to that seat in front of you, and you can't stretch out, so you, like, bow them out sideways. It's the weirdest looking thing. And it looks like you're just man spreading. It's like, no, dude, if I don't do this, I'm going to die on this plane. And on the way there, didn't have to worry about it. Today, I get on. And I'm one of the last seats of the plane because I wanted an aisle row. I'd rather be in the back aisle than be front middle. I don't care how long I have to wait. We're all going to be getting off the plane at some point. So I am at this point. Flight takes off at 1021. It is 1014. We are getting ready to push back. And what, lo and behold, I get on the plane, of course. Someone's sitting in my seat. All right. That's weird. Uh, and I don't want, I, you know me. I'm anti-confrontation, -con so I don't want to rock the boat. I'm like, okay, cool. No problem. I'll sit literally right next in the aisle on the other side where there just happens to be a wide open middle seat as well. So I'm like, this is awesome. I might end up getting a freaking wide open seat next to me. I'm going to be able to spread out. I might actually sleep on a plane for the first time in my life. 
right before the exit or we start exiting, lo and behold, you get the freaking 50-year-old white woman looking for a problem immediately as she's walking down. I'm like, oh, my God, I already know it's these seats because there's no other seats <laughs> on the plane. So I'm nervous. And then this one, oh, he's sitting in our seat. I'm like, okay, let's let's figure this out. We, we all are on the plane. We're all going to get there. I get lucky enough where I got to take the woman who took my seat's spot, like halfway up the plane. It's an aisle seat. And the person next to me might as well have been a ballerina. That is a, a little teaser to the end of the show talking about ballerinas. But middle seat girl must weigh 80 pounds. And she wants nothing to do with me. It was the best thing in the world. She was like <laughs> all ready to weigh. I got to spread out. It was like I had no one next to me. So I, I was relaxed. Ironically, listening to the Nightingale, read it this summer. Your wonderful woman that you're talking with, obviously. She's reading it right now. I'm really excited. She's been sending little tidbits. Dude, she's like, she got like 50 pages in in the first hour that she opened the book. Like I, I got pissed it. at her again. I got pissed at her again because <laughs> we have this fun, almost like book club between us two. It took me, no kidding, 30 or 40 days to read the book recommendation she gave me. I was all fired up. I'm sending notes at the end. You got to read this one, same author. And here we are four days later and she's on like page 400. I'm like, that's not fair. That Dude, She's insane. She could read, she reads like a computer. It's insane. It like bothered me. Cause I'm like, I was trying to like re-listen to this book so that I'm fresh. So we can talk about it. I was on, I listened to it at the entire day on the plane. And I'm five hours in. I'm like, she's 175 pages ahead of me. And I'm listening to the damn book on tape. This isn't fun for me. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So so shout out Heather, I guess, because damn, I can't keep up with her. But this is going to be a weird show for you guys. I'm not as prepared as nearly I ever will be. This is not normal. Just getting back from a flight. David, you just had a trip to Madison too. So this is going to be more of a unconventional we're just going to have a dialogue almost back and forth talking about these games we'll have a couple other fun things too just to mix it up for the 100th episode you'll want to listen to 101 as well with the our dalmatian episode is what steve and i were calling it all weekend because we want to have some fun celebrating with steven as well before we get into that we want to remind you that this episode today is brought to you by abby turner creative your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding high-end photography fashion, and more, especially if you are around our age where there's college graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it, it's happening every single weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on her Instagram page at Sawdad in Sapphire. Again, that is abbyturnerphoto.com. Well, let's get going here for a couple quick NFL news stories before we get into last week's recap. Frank Reich, he tried his best to stop the fire, stop the bleeding. He tried to scapegoat people last week. It all came crashing down. Finally, it feels like, and it, you feel bad saying that about a person's job, but Frank Reich finally being fired. It feels like something that we've been kind of sitting on for the last month, David. Yeah, I mean, it's about goddamn time. They're probably two weeks too late on it, to be honest. But I got to be honest, I'm really, really interested in Jeff Saturday as the interim head coach, kind of because I look at him as like the offensive line version of Peyton Manning, which is, 
I can evaluate whatever's in front of me and break it down and make it seem much more intelligent than anyone else. I don't know. That's just how I view Jeff Saturday because I mean, maybe it's because him and Peyton played together for so long, but everywhere he went, he was a stud. And I just think that has more to do with him than it does his ability, like his brain, I should say, as a center on the offensive line. But I just like, I'm excited to see what he can do with it. Uh, it's a little weird because they fired Reich and then they fired two positional coach. No, maybe did they fire two positional coaches as well? Or was my mixing that up with that the happened literally that as I was getting onto the plane today. So I have I have no clue. Yeah, I I I might be mixing that up with the Panthers, who might have fired two positional coaches. But regardless, I'm excited to see what Jeff Saturday can do. I'm excited to see if it if they roll with Ellinger still or if it's back to Matt Ryan. I, I think the Colts maybe it takes another week where they look absolutely disastrous, but I think they they turn a corner under a new regime. At least, you know, a little bit in the short term, kind of like Carolina, where we saw Steve Wilton, that Panther team really show signs of life we hadn't seen all year. We'll get into them in a bit. They didn't look great this week, but that's what you're looking for with the Jeff Saturday. And that former player, you, you're you hoping for that Mike Vrabel, Dan Campbell-like energy. It's a little interesting, though, concerning the fact he has no coaching experience at the college or NFL level. It almost reminds you of a player version or a coach version of the Mike Mayock move where you go for this really big personality that's been in the media, that's been affiliated with these teams. It could be something we look back on and say it was a brilliant move. We could also look back on this and laugh at the Colts hysterically saying, this is seriously what you did to rub or put a Band-Aid on. You have nobody in that locker room now that's ever called plays. So who's going to do that? That's got to be something you find out right away. And they're playing the Raiders this week, which I not even I don't want to talk about them, but Jeff Saturday even was tweeting this Sunday about wow, dude, the Raiders do not look good. Then he gets hired and he's gonna play them six days later. It's an interesting storyline, and honestly, one that I'm gonna be really interested in, not just because it's the Raiders, but because you have two floundering franchises going head to head there, and it feels like it's just what circus is going to beat the other and it might be a way to change things the other the worst is you bring it up but the worst case scenario and what i think is technically probably probably more likely to happen even though i don't want it to happen is jeff saturday could very well be like freddie kitchens where you got a guy who has never been in a head coaching role or been that close to a head coaching role for long and is severely overwhelmed by the responsibilities. The team isn't ready on on Sunday because they just have no experience like managing at that level. Especially if they get rid of certain coaches, like they got rid of their offensive coordinator, what, last week? Now you don't have a guy who actually knows the offense and can, you know, call plays. And, and, and literally nobody on that team has ever done that, ever. Right. So you're probably looking at more likely that this looks up disastrous, but I, I hope it doesn't. I'm relying on Jeff Saturday's brain more than anything, but it'll be interesting to see. As far as other news goes, Josh Allen, the UCL injury, big news, right? This could – so the last time Josh Allen was out with injury was a UCL injury, and I think his right elbow his rookie season, and he missed four games. If Josh Allen misses four games for the Bills – Bills are probably good enough, depending on what their schedule looks like. I don't know. 
but they're probably good enough to win 50% of those games. But if Josh Allen is at all playing hindered or, or with an injury and he looks like the Josh Allen of yesterday, the Bills are going to have some problems. This could go from Super Bowl season to first-round playoff loss team very quickly if Josh Allen isn't healthy enough to play at like 75% of the capacity of the way he's capable of playing. I think that's a significant concern, but they, they're getting second opinions. They don't know where they're going to be at. Um, McDermott said, you know, he'll know more tomorrow, but I don't know. I'm like, I'm, there's some, he's questionable right now to even play in next week's game. I'm, I'm concerned for the bills here. You should be. This is the NFL version of when you find out your starting quarter or starting pitcher has a little weird feeling in the elbow and it's the, oh my God, could this really derail our entire year right now? Running backs, it's lower body, whether it be hamstrings, hips, feet, wide receivers, similar offensive linemen. It's more of those knees you look at. Everybody has their thing. For whatever reason, we've kind of gotten lucky with throwing shoulders and throwing elbows from starting quarterbacks. The only problem is, is that when this happens to quarterbacks, this is a, a not only an injury that lingers, but it's one that lingers for a long time. Joe Goodberry, who I know you're familiar with, is a Bengal insider. Guy's brilliant. I love following his stuff. He brought up Carson Palmer having a UCL injury with the Bengals 10, 15 years ago. And not only did it affect him the rest of that year, he was terrible the following year from it as well. It's just the last thing you want is someone like Josh Allen, these just unbelievably skilled quarterbacks. I mean, we went from having only a couple great teams that feel like Super Bowl teams this year. If he's gone, the AFC loses a ton of intrigue. You only got one or two. So this is a disaster. I I really hope that it's not as bad as we kind of are worried it can be. Yeah, I agree. Um, But in other news, as Wally said earlier, this is Loss of Down's 100th episode, Wally. This is yours and Steven's baby. Uh, you guys have grown it pretty well over the years. But, you know, what would you say has been your favorite or proudest moment of this podcast looking back on the last 99 episodes? You know, that's an interesting – I love your idea, by the way. We're going to have a lot of, or a couple of these questions for Steven as well in a few days. But, I, I mean, this week it's like the first time I've really kind of really tried to dissect and go back and look at things. Proudest moment? I, I mean – for me, there's a couple. One of those being when we were actually able to bring you on. I know that's kind of a suck up kind of thing. But when you bring on three people, it just feels, to me, we're seeing now a lot more podcast success with bigger groups. And I think it's better because you get more, I guess, well-rounded thoughts. I like the pushback because Steven and I, we're nice guys. And sometimes I felt like we would almost be non-confrontational, even though we might disagree. And having a third person kind of forces us out of the shell. So I love that. Steven's been amazing with doing the T-shirts and getting that going. We're going to eventually have another wave. So interestingly enough, I'd say that's where I'm at. I I love doing all of those interviews with all the the fans out there too that we've been doing with. And we're going to do more of those too. It's just, I want this to be... I understand the people that followed this from the beginning. It's because of people's relationships with Steven and I. And that means a lot to me. 
that like the people that are hearing this, like I really, really appreciate this. This is my dream. I, it hasn't come to fruition yet, but I'm hell bent to get there. So having those kind of like interviews with the listeners, it's a way to make you feel like it's your podcast at home too. And we want you to feel that way. That's I. So for me, it's without a doubt, it's, it's the other people that we've been bringing on like you, like the Zach Youssef, like Evan Desiker, Kyle Butson, the list goes on and on. So definitely appreciate that. On the flip side of that, What's your we will never do that again moment or like you know, the least favorite thing you guys have ever tried out on the podcast? God, so we've had a few of these, but for me, mine's more personal. When we started these podcasts, we were doing them in person at Steve's place after our OMS schools. Those episodes were getting recorded after my, or Thursday night football. So it was like 1130. And you know how these sometimes can go two hours. We'd finish recording at 130. And then my dumbass would stay up for the next six hours editing and go to bed at 7.30. And here's the here's the honest truth. We're not big enough for me to be ruining my, my sleep schedule every single week. So doing two and a half hour episodes and editing every single one of them that night, that was my, it's not happening until it makes sense for that to happen again. So I, I again, there's so much work we put into this that the start of it was a lot uglier we were, we're getting more efficient, but yeah, that, that was very bad, David. I agree that you should never be spending six hours into the wee hours of the night editing for this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, we have like 12 people listening and I'm like, all right, gotta yeah. put it in. <laughs> I was, I'd like it known. I was one of those 12 yes, and you I was were. anxiously pressuring you to get that podcast out in the following morning. You seriously, without even, I mean, you probably did know it. Without meaning to you in the Mingo chat, I you guys know who I'm talking about out there. That was where most of the pressure for me to so it's like your friends push you, that you want friends to push you. And I was getting pushed early and often. I'll I'll definitely leave it at that. Well, I apologize for the stress I created, but I did <laughs> know I was putting pressure on because I genuinely love this podcast. Well, good. Uh, I you're a part of it and it's better for it now. So, so we go from all the way back there to what we have now. What are your goals for this podcast for the next year? Personally, what do you, what do our listeners have to look forward to on the horizon? This is why you're awesome at this, David, because I, I don't think of like this way enough and you're right. This is a good way to paint pictures for everyone at home. My computer I'm using right now is 11 or 12 years old. It's caveman stuff. I'm already an old man, as you know. Getting to the point of where I'm at editing has taken me a painstaking amount of time. I'm getting a new computer here in the next month or so. And I'm not going to have, unironically, I'm not going to have five gigabytes open to hopefully get stuff out. And I'm going to be able to put more content out, which is what desperately we need in this off-season. I have been making it a point to reach out to other podcasts, whether it be Locked On, which is a new kind of platform. A bunch of these people, I'm trying to have more guests and more guests that are, I guess, more in tune. Because as much as it is great to have our friends and stuff come on, it's just kind of like you're sitting at the bar with your buddies talking, where we might actually be talking to people that have like inside scoops or reasons or, or things that we can keep an eye on that otherwise we wouldn't be aware of. That's where I'm hoping to, for me, helps the growth. Cause that's what at the end of the day, this is all about. 
we want to grow. We want people to hear what we have to say. I love that. Um, so secretly, and and I'll tell you off pod, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it secret so the listeners can anticipate and guess. But there are two guests that I would love to bring on that aren't friends, that are actually legitimate insiders or or former players or analysts or whatever that I would love to get like 15 minute interviews on and bring it onto the show. That would be awesome. That's all I'm going to say. Let's let's hope it happens. You're going to want to stick around with loss of Dan. That's all we're saying here, David. <laughs> now let's get in real quick. Again, this is not going to be our typical recap. This is not going to be numbers and analytics like usual. This is going to be more of just, us talking these games from what we saw, gut reaction, first reaction. So if that's not your cup of tea, we get it. We'll see you Thursday. <laughs> but otherwise, let's get right into it here. Philadelphia on Thursday, they win by 12. They do not cover against Houston, but but it was the only win that Philly got over Houston this week. I got a rub in a little to Philly's fans out there because at least they're sad, even if Houston has to be happy. But Philadelphia now, I know that they're down Jordan Davis, but this is a team that is stacked on both sides of the ball. And even when they struggled in this game, it's a mark of a great team that they're still able to just gut, like gut through a shitty matchup, a game that you don't want to be there. You're two touchdown favorites. And now all of a sudden they're 8-0, right? Yeah, 8-0. Man, I'm pissed at Philly. Fucking 13 points. Can't cover the fucking spread. Started off my week with a loss, but that's how I uh, usually feel every week, by the way. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, I I don't know. I, this game, uh, the only thing it did for me is I really enjoyed the banter, Justin, Jack and I, and going at Yusuf saying like the Philly is a a choke, you know, they're, they're a fraud. I was getting Uh, triggered for him and I hate Philadelphia. (laughs) I'm like, damn it. This is a really good team. Respect the Eagles. No, but they're a great team. I'm just mad that they didn't cover the spread. This team, the one thing I'll say, the only thing I'll say, and then I'll move on, is I think if Josh Allen misses any time, Jalen Hurts is the MVP of the league this year. And that might be a hot take, but I I think that's almost a guarantee. Because right now, I think it's those two competing for MVP, uh, and then there's a huge drop-off for next in line to me. Well, serious Uh, question. Serious question. If – the Eagles go, let's say, 14-3. and three. They win the NFC, like, you know, the first seed. What happens if the Seahawks go 11-6 and six and win the NFC West when we thought they'd win three or four games? Do you think there's a chance Geno gets the MVP buzz enough to pass Hurts, or would Hurts winning the one seed be too much? I think Hurts, I think Hurts is too much to overcome for Geno unless they, the Seahawks win at least – at least 12 games. I, well, I mean, and like, even if the you know the postseason doesn't matter, but we I, all know it does. Yeah, I, I think too the MVP. Let's say Gino doesn't win MVP. I think he's a lock for most improved player of the year. I, I know that's weird because most times it's players coming off an injury or something, but I think he's a lock for most improved player. He'll probably he'll win offensive player of the year in the NFC if they make the playoffs and 11 wins. He might win it regardless, but I just I think Hertz is your front runner right now because how well the team is doing, and he's putting up some pretty remarkable stats overall. Honestly, somebody pointed this out to me, and it kind of scares me to think about. But 
Hertz's career trajectory looks almost exactly like Josh Allen's. Uh, almost exactly like Josh Allen. So a really rough year one. Accuracy problems, but starting to look like something in year two. Fixes all of his accuracy issues in year three and has like a breakout season. I'm not saying he's as good as Josh Allen because I, I don't even think, as of right now, I don't believe he is. But his career trajectory looks exactly the same. And that's kind of scary to think about because if Philly found that, that's a really, really interesting team it, for the next five seasons. This won't happen. But could you imagine? Because I I think everybody out there can agree. Even if you don't think he's a quarterback, everybody loves Jalen Hurts. I mean, especially the way he handled himself in Alabama after getting benched. People like myself, I thought he was a bum. He goes to Oklahoma. I'm like, it's a system that's propping him up. Then he goes to Philadelphia. Doesn't look great year one. And what do we all do? We're doing the same kind of things. I think it would be fascinating if we got a Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts versus Tua Tagovailoa. The Alabama starters, one replaces the other one. I think that would be an unreal storyline, and I would be rooting for Jalen Hurts. I wouldn't be rooting for Philadelphia, the city, but I want that team in green to win, I think. And I, it's all because of Jalen Hurts. This next game, New England. Indianapolis, everybody that was on that Vegas trip with me knows I drank so much Patriot Gatorade this week, and I don't know how I didn't just put in a big bet on this game. It was the easiest bet in the world. I don't know how many NC or I guess know it was coming. Sam Ellinger in his second career start going to Foxborough, where I don't know if I said this the other day or if I found this out on the plane ride into Vegas. New England has lost one home game in November since 2011. 11 years. They do not lose at home at this time of year. And that's not just like a fluky, you can find stats. That is how Bill Belichick has this team playing at this stages of seasons to make sure that you're in a good position in the playoffs. This is what great teams do. I know New England's not great, but they're doing what well-coached teams do, and they're winning when they have to. I'm fired up that I felt like I got one right, albeit money didn't exactly reflect that, David. Yeah, I don't know. I'm with you. I'm kind of shocked we didn't see it coming, but I still, you know what still shocks me is Mac Jones still doesn't look like a pro. Like, he just doesn't look above average. He doesn't look better than Bailey Zappe. It's just like... You drilled it. You you said it was him in the system. Yeah, I, I really do think that that Bill Belichick just makes average quarterbacks look very, very good for a a season at most, and then it starts to bounce back to reality. Mac Jones, the Pro Bowler last year, is a flash in the pan for me right now. Like, that is – he is not that guy uh, so far. I, I, I'll, I'll backtrack that if he becomes that guy again, but right now it just doesn't look the case. It'll be nice to actually have – us both be on the same side of being wrong instead of one over the other, like usual, we're both going to go down on the ship together. Cause I I'm with you. Mac Jones ain't it. I don't think Bailey Zappe is anything re- like right home about, but why not figure out what you got in the guy? I agree. Figuring out what you got in a guy that bothers me too, because this next game, the bills, we talked about it before they go to the Meadowlands and they fall short. And all I'll say is that Zach Wilson, is the only thing keeping this Jets team from feeling super to me. 
like legitimately think that he is that big of a weight. They're six and three, right? They just beat what we all believe was the Super Bowl favorite. And they did it without a quarterback playing well. I, I, dude, Robert Salah, his tenure is here. The New York Jets are back. It feels like 2013, David. Look, I'm not saying the Jets are back, but that defense is so underrated. That defensive line is probably the best in football, and they they actually might take a significant hit with Rankins out for, I think, like six weeks or four weeks or something now. But that defensive line is what the Browns aspired to have with a defensive line for years because if you have a defensive line like that, you can have good, not great secondary, and it can become elite because they get less time to make their coverages. And and the linebackers look better because you're plugging holes better. Elite D-line like that changes the whole all levels of the defense. But I, I think that is a majority of the reason why the Jets are just winning games that you never thought they'd be in. To How me, about Sauce Gardner, too? Game. Yeah. I mean, Sauce Gardner is probably going to win rook, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Their defense is so so much more advanced than anyone thought they were going to be coming into the season. But to your point, I kind of agree. Zach Wilson probably holds this team back. I'd rather have Joe Flacco in the game. Like I, I'd rather see Joe Flacco because at least I know that his lows aren't going to be as low as Zach Wilson's. I'd it's go just Mike like, White. Yeah. I, I just like, I don't, I'm not, I'm playing. If I'm the jets right now, this season, you're six and three, you're not really a super bowl contender. So I think I'm going with whoever's going to, not have as low of lows let's get to the playoffs let's show everyone that like we're a good enough team let's sign some free agents and we'll worry about the quarterback in the offseason like I that's just where I'm at mentally with that team because they're they could end up putting themselves in a really tough position whereas where you have this elite team without the quarterback and all that means is that you're you're in draft purgatory because you're not going to get that quarterback through the draft. So it'll be interesting. I, I like the, I, I kind of like the jets, but I like that defensive line a lot, like a lot, a lot. But on the flip side, we mentioned it earlier, Josh Allen, honestly, that I don't know if Josh Allen's gotten so elite to the point that this was his Josh Allen game. We always tease about mm-hmm. where you get like one or two a season where he's just 16 of 34 for like a buck 28. <laughs> yeah. Like three just, picks terrible, which is kind of like, I mean, he had a, 64 QBR, 46.8 rating. He was bad. He had two rushing touchdowns. That was like the only salvageable thing about the game for him. But I don't know. I'm worried about the injury still. This Bill season could go downhill very quickly if if he's out. It was a weird game, though, because I don't know if you had the same thought. It took until about five minutes left for it to sink in that the Jets could win, mm-hmm. where you just were waiting, even though he wasn't playing well. You're like, he'll figure it out. This is the Buffalo Bills. They're going to figure it out. Also, shout out to Dakota and Evan Desker. That was the game that killed us. So I love you both. We'll get them next year. Miami. They beat the Chicago Bears. Really fun game. Really fun game. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Tua Tagovailoa, that three-headed monster on one side of the ball. And for better or worse, I know you're not a big fan of them. Justin Fields in this offense, it continuing to grow. I do well. I mean, that was one of the most fun games I think we saw yesterday. I couldn't keep my eyes off it. It was just an offensive powerhouse, bump back and forth, back and forth. 
are you buying into this Bears team? Let's start with the loser first, and then we'll go to Miami. Are you buying in to the offense? No, I'm still not buying in because it all like all it takes is a, a good run defense. Actually, not even that. It probably just takes good defensive ends who can run contain on Justin Fields right now, just like it is when the Ravens get to the playoffs and all the defenses are running contained to keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket where he's uncomfortable. I am not a believer in this offense. I am. I do think Justin Fields is drastically better than before because he is getting comfortable because he is getting an offense that's basically designed around him doing what he does best, which is get outside the pocket and run. Now that was, they probably did a little too much of that. If they want to keep him healthy this past week, but I mean, he was unbelievable as a runner. He set the record for QB rushing yards in a game. I think that, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting watching him grow if Chicago continues to do it right, but they need to get him more comfortable throwing the football. So they need to get him roll. They need to get him on rollouts badly. They need to get him on rollouts often, get him outside the pocket, get him comfortable with running, give him the option to run forward or hit his targets in the air. But like, if he's going to be their quarterback, if he's going to be the guy that I know you think he can be, they need to get him comfortable throwing the football to do that. You got to work him back into the pocket. You got to be, keep him running, keep him rolling out, whatever, and then keep him comfortable enough throwing it that you can get him in the pocket, get him comfortable in the pocket, throwing the football. Now question though, because I'm literally trying to pull up right now, the box score. Cause it was one of those I was just watching the game and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I got to imagine the completion percentage was much higher this week, right? I think it was. Um, 17 of 28. I know the yards aren't there, but what we've seen too is like your point. I know 178 yards, that's a ton on the ground. It kind of makes it easier not to throw for as much. But what we're seeing is guys like Cole Komet are all of a sudden becoming open because of the design of the offense. And I think that is the recipe. Like I am with you that this is not a Bears team to like saddle anything on, especially this year. But this is the kind of a month stretch that Bears fans have been waiting for for two years. They need to just know there's something there to at least try to build around. Now you have a lot of draft capital. You have a ton of free agency money. You actually add a few pieces, whether it be offensive line or to the outside, to the wide receivers. Who knows? I mean, it's a... It was a well-coached defense. They're fighting through losing Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn right now, and it's very evident the defense is is not good. A.J. Klein is not Roquan Smith, but I, I don't know. I, I'm excited for them. Otherwise, oh, you go ahead. Go ahead. You got more? No, I was just going to say that uh, the, on the flip side, the Dolphins. All right, so yep. did you watch this game while you were in Vegas? Every time I was looking at the TV, Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill were 30 yards downfield. That's about all yeah, I noticed. but – Dude, every time I saw Tua throw the ball, man, it was underthrown. Every really? time. And I want, like, not every time, but, like, a noticeable amount of times, right? You're a like, PFF guy. You have to let us know for Thursday's show when we come back, like, how that graded. That'll be your I homework. Mean, I do. I need to look into that. But, like, I mean, there were, like, three throws. And one of them was a incomplete pass to, I think, Waddle that was a surefire touchdown if he hit him in stride, but was like 10 yards under thrown and it was broken up by the DB. And I, man, I'm telling you, I want to believe Tua is this like elite quarterback, but he does not have the arm strength to fit with Waddle and Hill. Like if, I think they'd be, I think he'd have 10 more touchdowns if he had the arm strength. Like if that happened in the one game I watched 
and I see three underthrown balls, I can't imagine. Maybe it is a one-off, but I can't imagine that isn't happening in other games. And you sit there and you wonder, like, how – not that they're really a, a held-back offense, but is he holding this offense back from what it really could be with a, a better quarterback? And obviously, you know, a better quarterback is going to make any offense slightly better. But, like, if I throw Patrick Mahomes with Waddle and Tyreek Hill – he might drop 60 touchdown passes on the season. So, like, I that's where I think about, right? And Pat, and that's a bad example because Pat Mahomes is probably the greatest ever. But I just sit there and I think, like, after watching three throws where he underthrows, I'm just like, holy shit, man. Like, get into the weight room. Get into the mechanics. Like, you need to build up arm strength to be with Waddle and Hill. I mean, it's not hurting them at all, but I think three of his incompletions were underthrows. You you feel like they're leaving food on the plate, basically. I do, and I, it's not like they need to because they're six and two or six and three or whatever. But I I almost want to see two two thousand yard receivers. So like I feel like we're leaving food on the plate and records uh, in the books. You know. Well, I was just pulling up him now. Yeah, twenty one of thirty, three oh two three touchdowns. So like, he'll, he'll, like he'll, a phenomenal quarterback. Yeah, like he'll grade really well. So I'll be interested. I'll make sure I go back this week and I, I rewatch some of those stories you're talking about. They do have the Cleveland Browns this next week, which, God, that <laughs> at least you're going to be able to get to watch it firsthand, David. You're going to get to enjoy at least four quarters of watching the Dolphins offense, I suppose. Yeah, because we're not going to be watching the Browns very much. That team ain't showing up. <laughs> God, all right, let's uh, go to another one of our miserable teams, and that's Stevens Green Bay Packers and good Lord, dude. I mean, this was, I, I, this is where I wish I took a video. I wish I wasn't a little buckled to think about it in the moment. Steven was in a dark place. This was all happening at once. The Raiders collapse and the Packers collapse and us having massive bets on the bills. It was a dark period of time. It was not good for, for the, the crew down there in Vegas. The, the Packers are broken. I mean, is, is it Aaron Rodgers? The, okay. How do I want to ask this? Is Aaron Rodgers washed, or are we seeing the product of whether it be bad coaching or just completely no weapons on the outside? What is it? Is it a little of everything? It might be a little of everything. I think deep down, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is washed. Deep down, I think he's playing uninspired football because he thinks he doesn't have any weapons. This is his retirement fucking plan, which is to sign the contract and just send it off. I think I love that. He, I love this take. But I think if he was a real fucking leader, I don't think this team would be that bad. Now, the Packers are down bad with their only two receivers that are worth a damn that are young are out for God knows how long. I don't know. They're both what uh what's his face? Watson and uh uh Dobbs were both and Dobbs know, is out now four to six weeks with the high. He, I didn't see that. Yeah. So so that's down bad because I think Dobbs is their best receiver that doesn't get the looks mm-hmm. he he deserves I think that Aaron Rodgers I think they play uninspired football because they're led by an uninspired player I don't think he's washed I think he's just fucking not willing to put in the work with his receivers I think if you got some stupid old guy like OBJ in there suddenly you'd see Aaron Rodgers perk up and look like a half inspired player I I just I, I think he like focuses in on where his weaknesses are on the team and doesn't actually want to play to the caliber of player he he's capable of playing as and that might be a hot take it might be a hot take 
but I just like you look at the team and they're uninspired. And who's the most uninspiring player on the team? And it's the fucking leader of their locker room. That's where I come down to because I don't think the Packers are playing like I don't think they're as bad as three and six or whatever they're at. I, I just don't think they're that bad. You look on their roster and there's plenty of talent there to win nine or ten games in a season. It's it's either coaches or Aaron Rodgers or both, but they're an uninspired football team right now. Not to pile on too much to to Steven and his Packer friends out there too, but the Packers, and, and to your point with Aaron Rodgers, this isn't an isolated belief. There is the the famous kind of feud between Greg Jennings and Aaron Rodgers, one of the best wide receivers Aaron Rodgers ever played for, or, or ever I played with, I should say. You have guys like Brett Favre, who has been on record. I know Brett Favre's a piece of shit in his own right, but have him on record basically saying this kid was an entitled jerk when he came in. Like there, there's a long list of people, whether it be questioning his character. I mean, he doesn't talk to his family. Like the list goes on and on and on where you just well, are, look, there's smoke, there's I, fire. Like, that's, that's where I, I question Aaron Rodgers too, though, is you can, you can put all the Joe Rogan bullshit and Kyrie Irving bullshit right in front as the talking points. But let's start 10 years ago when he like excommunicated his family because his girlfriend didn't like them. Buddy, I you got to be a shallow ass sociopath unless there's a story there that nobody knows about that somehow never broke about his family being shitty. Just you got to be some kind of sociopath to just excommunicate your fucking family because your girlfriend is a bitch. Like, I mean, I, I'm sorry. Olivia Munn has been out there as like not a good person. So like, I, I just like, you gotta, you gotta question what kind of sociopath Aaron Rodgers is to like excommunicate his family. Well, it, well, think about it too. Every time he dates somebody, we joke about the Ann Perkins thing with him, but you see Packer fans are always like, Oh my God, we need him. Like, like, no, we need to single Aaron Rodgers again. We need Aaron Rodgers to think for himself. And I will say this. As a person that watches the Bachelor universe, because I'm a loser, watching his brother Jordan Rogers on that season was just about as cringy. Where I didn't know which I hated more. I was I didn't know whose side of the family debate I was on. I kind of wanted them both to be failures, but here we are. And I, you know, I'm not going to say much to Detroit because their fans already think I hate them. They win. They got to win. Good for you. I hope it keeps happening. It's just this felt more of the the death of the Green Bay Packers as we knew them than it did the Lions are back. I think the Packers turned it over, whether it be on downs or interception, three times inside the 10. That is, it, that's just the mark of a bad football team, poor coach, everything. I'm, I'm with you. Thank God. Vikings came back and uh, that, that team – is so frustrating too because they feel so fake good, but they're winning games. And at some point, you have to respect them. Like you're down ten on the road, I don't care what it is. You you come back ten down in the fourth quarter to win a game in the NFL. That's a big win, big win for them. And unfortunately, it makes it kind of feel like Washington's dream idea of running to a wild card. It's going to be really hard now. Needed to win games like that. Yeah, I'm with you on the Vikings. I, I won't say much else, but I this feels like a team that is prime for getting the bye in the playoffs and then losing pretty badly to whoever they face in their first game. I don't know the what Kirk Cousins special. 
but like I don't I don't even blame him because he's playing well. Like I just don't think that defense is good, and somehow like they're they're winning games. And I just like the Vikings at seven and one. I have a hard time putting my faith in them to win games going forward because I think that eventually you reverberate to the mean, right? Like it, it, I mean, you would think, am I just, am I, am I not seeing what, what Vikings fans are seeing? Like, I just don't, this team doesn't feel like a legitimate Super Bowl contender in their what, like third, second in the league, third in the league in terms of record. I I just, I don't know. I, I have a hard time. Like you, I have a hard time trusting this team. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the box score right now. They had 300 yards or 301 yards, and I feel like most of them came there at the end. So it was just a really weird game all the way around. I know Justin Jefferson finally scored again. It was his first touchdown since week one, which is kind of hard to believe because he's having such a good year. But then I was really excited to see them make it a point of emphasis to get TJ Hawkinson the ball, nine catches, 70 yards. It's weird because you never see, whether it be receivers, running backs, tight ends, you never see kind of stat lines like that after a player gets traded. So he obviously is acclimating well. He must have a good little rapport with, with Kirk Cousins. It might just be the excitement of playing for a winner. I know he kind of hinted at that. Let's go to the next game. We're not going to harp too much there. And this one, we won't harp too much either. I know people like my brother will hate my guts. My brother Dylan texted me earlier, and he goes, why is nobody get, or talking about the Bengals and what they did yesterday? And I'm like, Dylan, like we didn't learn anything. The Panthers still suck. And the Bengals, they're going to win games like this. And P.J. Walker, he got benched. Your boy, you had to be glowing up because I know I was a little – it was moving. It was moving at the bar. I was miserable. Baker – I got excited. Backups. Backups. I'm just saying, against backups, Baker looked really good in relief. But it's so fucking annoying because we do this every fucking time. I know. Like, are you going to get back on? Like, I'm drowning. No. And I'm like, I gotta trying see to climb back into the ship. Do you see they pick PJ Walker again to start? I, I just like, man, I am, I am depressed because I like Baker does this all the fucking time. Just when you're out, he puts up a performance. I just think he, he, he owns the Bengals. He just yeah, owns the Bengals. Yeah, and he does. He owns the Bengals. But I don't know. Dude, the Bengals here, I don't know what, like, Joe Mixon going from worst rusher in the NFL, and I outlined it last week. And it, <laughs> that it, was actually it, crazy. It just <laughs> had to fucking happen this way. It just had to fucking happen this way, where he goes for, you know, four touchdowns, you know, a bazillion yards. I think it was like 160 at the end of the day on like 20 rushes. And so he did it super fucking efficiently. And I just sit there, and I'm like, it just had to happen the week after I called it out for him being – a terrible pass blocker and a terribly inefficient runner. And then he goes and has the best game of the season by far of any running back. To your point, I didn't learn anything because the Panthers are not a formidable foe. This doesn't mean the Bengals have a rush offense. I I just. They're still ninth in the AFC, by the way. It's not even like they're in a playoff position right now. Yeah. They got to be perfect. I know. I'm, I'm. If they do that two games in a row, I'll believe it. But until then, they are the, I think, only the, char- maybe they were the least efficient rushing offense, but I think only maybe the Chargers, who have also a big name running back, were the least efficient for a long time there. I don't know if they overcame that or not, but I don't learn anything because they didn't They didn't actually fix anything. They just took advantage of a bad team, which is great. Every team, they needed, like, every team needs to take advantage of a bad team. I just, to your point, didn't learn anything new about him. 
No, the only only thing that you can hope for, like you were saying, is that the offense was able to run the ball and it opened everything up. That's where they thrived last year in the second half of the season. If they can find a way to magically start running the ball again, they might have a run in them. But they can't go far in the playoffs unless they can run the ball. Here's a tidbit for you before we move on to the next one. And I credit, I think it, it was Joe Goodberry who tweeted this. He pointed out the Bengals were five and four last year before their Super Bowl run. And they were facing the All same right. kind of struggles we talk about now. And so you have to, as a Bengals fan, you have to kind of hope that they get healthy because they have a bye this coming week, don't they? It's coming up here. Soon. You have to hope that when you hit your bye week, all your players are get a week to get healthy or are coming off of injury. And you can make a real latter half of the season run for the division and and for the playoffs. Chargers Atlanta. Tell me your thoughts, Wally. I didn't watch this game at all. I was just kind of shocked at the outcome. Just didn't feel like a 2017 outcome when we talked about it last week. I feel like an idiot. Well, to a degree. You'll know what I mean. I feel pissed off because I felt like I was really on a few of these games this week. And fourth quarter collapses killed me. Steven and I were all over this underdog parlay we had out there where it was Atlanta to win outright, Washington to win outright, Seattle to win outright, and Chicago to win outright. Unreal odds. It was unreal odds. Well, you throw 20 bucks. You're like, you're in Vegas. Let's live a little. The Falcons, they had a lead in the fourth quarter. The Washington football team, they were up 10 in the fourth quarter. The Bears had the ball down three in the fourth quarter. You had Seattle, we'll get to, they won. Everything, it felt like it was a week that lined up for these underdog teams. And the underdog home, that's a big thing, home underdogs at this stage of the year. Yeah, Every time I try to fall in love with the Falcons, I hated them for years because they, it's the NFC South is boring to me. I, I'm just, it's my least favorite division in football, just truth hand up. And they finally are a team I love. They play my style of game. I was fired up watching this. And they found ways to lose. They outchargered the Chargers in this game. I, if you haven't seen it yet, you have to later. With 30 seconds left, the Chargers turn it over. And the Falcons, on the same play, they turn it over, fumbled the ball back. So not only do the Chargers have it, they get a fresh set of downs. And I'm like, dude, that was the moment you're watching. You're like, All right, cool. It ain't going to happen. I ain't worried about it. The only spin I'd have on thoughts is that if you're a Charger fan, can you talk yourself into this being that one time that you actually won a game you shouldn't have that could maybe spark the ball, maybe get it to roll a little bit. Maybe the Chargers can start looking like the team we thought they would. I hate the Chargers. I, 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 They're lost, I have I'll never do it again. enormous love hate with the Chargers. Every time I think I'm in love with this team, they always let me down they're always losing games they should never fucking lose i'm i'm also on the hate train of the chargers right now because keenan allen and his stupid hamstring buddy my fantasy team needs you fucking get healthy jesus christ anyways i have a love hate with the chargers but really fuck the chargers and fuck atlanta both next game which i know you don't want to talk about vegas jacksonville i don't know man i don't know what the fuck happened in the second half there but it wasn't great it felt like the it felt like the Raiders. It, it actually so the thing that I took away from this game and barely watching it was what we were talking about after the Ravens collapsed two weeks ago. 
which is they're getting their heads in the locker room. They can't hold leads. If this goes on, the Ravens are in big trouble. It feels like that's the Raiders because, and I know you don't want to talk about it. So like, if you just want to say fuck the Raiders and move on, whatever, but it feels like, I think they've had three or four games this year where they've had three. 10 point leads. Oh, I'm going to, I have a stat for you. That's going to make you sick to your stomach. I know it will. Cause I, I think I know what it is, but I can't remember it, but like they just, they, they're collapsing in the second half. And I don't know why. And it, maybe it is defense. Maybe they don't have the defense to hold to hold the lead. But at the same time, you have a running back that's that's doing very well this year. You should just be running the clock out, and we should be finding ways to do it when we get leads. But I don't know, man. It just feels like the Raiders, like it feels like we could have gotten to the point where they're – I know the season's probably over. It has to be over. Yeah, well, it's over. It's over. But you just feel like if they're going to hold a lead, now it's going to be in their heads. I hope we don't blow this, you know? Oh, <laughs> I was sitting. I know you know. <laughs> I was sitting in this apartment or the hotel room at this point, watching the game. We had red zone, all that stuff on before we left to go down and eat and all that. Anyways, we went up seventeen nothing, and I laughed because I'm like, oh, at least I know this lead's safe with this team, because we are now three times this year, seventeen or more points. First team in NFL history to blow. Three leads of 17 or more points in the same year. We are not halfway through. We're not halfway through. And what frustrates me too, yeah, it's a mental thing. It's also a coaching thing. We completely go away with what gets us these leads. It's like we try to to sit on the clock as soon as it happens. We were throwing it all over. Devontae had a first half for the ages. Something like eight or nine catches, like 150 yards in, in at least one, if not two touchdowns. Well, he did have two. Ten catches, 146 yards, two touchdowns. I don't know if he had a catch in the second half. I It's unbelievable. Uh, it, I'm just – I'm really about done. And I'm not one to ever say lease is short after one year. But with how high the expectations were, if this doesn't get turned around, not only you have to think about cleaning house again, you got to think about what do you do at quarterback? You got to think about should we move Devontae and just start over? Because at some point, we keep going on in a circle. And I think Derek Carr, you know my thoughts on Derek Carr, but you can't keep trotting him out there if this is going to keep happening. I can't remember who said it, but I think it was Dan Hansis on uh, around the NFL. Imagine Derek Carr in New York on the Jets next year. Well, that that's a Super Bowl team, and the Raiders will be back to picking five or six and and taking wide receivers out of Maryland that run a four two. I can't. Well, you don't like Darius Hayward Bay? Oh my God, Darius Hayward <laughs> Bay, Mike Mitchell in the same class. Literally, they draft Mike Mitchell in that second round, and Mel Kiper literally goes, "I don't have him on my board, Todd, or I, I don't know, I, I don't have him." That was that the same draft, the same. I'm t- I'm so tired. <sighs> Okay, not, so I'm done. So I'm here's done. my thoughts, uh, and then I'll we'll move on because I know you don't want to talk about the Raiders the same. And way I just I keep rambling about, about it. I can't stop. So it. I think you have to clean house with the coaching staff, and I think you got to pull. You got to pull Browns. You got to fire people after a year because I think this team was better with not as many, not as much talent last year with an interim head coach. Justice for Rich Bizakia. I just like it. It doesn't like that's how what I look at like last year and maybe maybe it's it's a combination of coordinators and coach, right? Like I'm not trying to blame one guy, 
But who's there right now is not it because I can look at last year where they didn't sign Chandler Jones and they didn't have Devontae Adams and they didn't have a burner at receiver to clear things up for them and they were a better offense. Maybe not a better defense. They were a better defense, but maybe not a better defense, but they were a better offense. And McDaniels is supposed to be the fucking offensive guy. So, I, you know, I just sit here and I wonder, like, is it another regime regime change that's needed? And I am so against that in a lot of ways. The more regime changes you do, the worse your team gets. But man, it's like a it's like they should have just fucking kept rich and just fucking sent it into the sunset with that with that coach. Because I just don't I don't understand it because they they played well last year. So they weren't great, but they played well. And I just, in my opinion, you in that scenario, I think I take the guy I know. You know, I'm not looking for the flashy coach. I, I, all I'll say, as John Coffey from the Green Mile would say, is I, I'm tired, boss. I'm I'm real tired. I love that. <laughs> I'm I, I'm I'm about to over the the Seahawks. They they played the Cardinals. <laughs> they won. How the Cardinals were ever favored in this game? I, 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 dude, my my heart's not in this now. I I will say this. You would have laughed. Because you would have thought I was a Seahawks fan because the Raiders had me so upset. I basically just put my heart into the Seahawks in this game. And when like Kenneth Walker III, who looks like the real deal, by the way, when he took over and said, I was like fist pumping. I'm going hard. Like, who cares about the freaking Rams-Buccaneers game that was going on at the same time? I was fired up to watch the Seattle Seahawks. Take it to the Cardinals. I, I love this team, dude. I love this team. I really do think they can win the NFC West. I didn't believe that even a week ago. I'm starting to buy in. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm buying in on the Seahawks winning the division. I This team, is as long as they stay healthy and nothing significant happens, you know, they're beating good teams. It's not like we're we're wiping away on the, the Browns and, and Raiders. They're beating good teams. The Cardinals – you might not think they're a good team, but they're a better team than most than their record shows. I, I'm done having any doubts on the Seahawks, any doubts on Geno. I've said it week after week after week. I'm just happy that I I took Seattle plus two and the over, and where that might be the only win I had all week because every game I looked I'm at, scared, I'm scared, like, man. I was like down a hundred units this week, <laughs> nailed it. Like, I'm like I'm like really scared to go over. Yeah, I don't want to. This, this is week. like I knew. <laughs> I just deep down, I knew I was so uncomfortable all week betting. And I just knew I like this week was coming where I was, I was starting to chip my way back. And here we are. I'm just like, I'm engulfed by a fucking hole of disaster. Anyway, speaking of holes of disaster, the <laughs> LA Rams took on <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Tampa Bay. Lo and behold, Tampa Bay wins by three in an ugly ass football game that everyone predicted was going to be ugly as shit. It was terrible, but hey, but here, this is my only thought. I really am not talking about this game. I like, I really don't care. Yeah. The only thing I'd say is it made me happy to think that we got even one more Brady moment. Like, I know that it was an ugly game, but to get that game winning touchdown, it was like, if it really is going to be terrible and ugly all year, like, at least for one night in the fall, we got to see Tom Brady happy and lead a game winning drive to beat. The defending Super Bowl champs. I know they're not good, but it was just vintage Brady for even three minutes, and that was nice. 
I'm with you, but also whoever is, you know, coaching the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, throwing Brady 60 times in a game is probably not advised. Yeah, 45-year-old guy, I don't care how well he takes care of himself. Yeah, probably just not a good strategy for winning. Anyways, moving on in the, the last game we have here, Sunday Night Football, Tennessee at Kansas City. Holy shit, Tennessee's back. They found their recipe again in Derrick Henry, who is just on a freaking heater right now. The only takeaway I have for this game is I really still find it shocking, even though it's Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid threw him 70 times or 69 times. That is ungodly amount of attempts for any kind of game. Like, that is an ungodly amount of attempts. You have a running back. Use them. I was two sheets to the wind by the time this game came around. So I didn't even realize that when I was watching it. It took you saying that, and I'm looking at the box score now. They're running backs. Clyde edwards Elair, four rushes, five yards. Isaiah Pacheco, five carries, five yards. Jarek McKinnon, three carries, four yards. You threw it 68 times, and you're still not able to get anything going on the ground? That's kind of crazy. And, I mean, this was a game that Malik Willis went 5 of 16 for 80 yards. And this game was pushed to overtime. I I don't, I seriously, to this moment, I don't know how it happened. I, I think I'd have to go back and watch again to figure out how this happened. You and, dude, you and me both. I, I didn't, first of all, I'd like everyone to know, I did not watch this game all the way through. I watched the first half, sent it to bed. Like I woke up, I, I see nearly 70 attempts. Then I see, oh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes has six rushes for nearly 70 yards and a touchdown. So he literally is the entire fucking offense. That's where I say he's the greatest of all time. And nobody in history could do what he did in that game, let alone what he's done through his career thus far. This guy's the greatest ever, but holy shit, create an identity on the ground. Andy Reid is no slouch to a run game. I, I just like, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense to me. Dude, I have a couple stats that are going to blow your mind too. 29 to 9 in first downs, 499 to 229 in yards. And then they couldn't run the ball, but they had 15 minutes more time of possession than the Tennessee Titans. This was a game that made no sense. I'm just I'm just happy that the guys I was with made they won their big bets. Again, shout out Evan in Dakota. They needed this one in a bad way. I was watching the whole time. I was telling them. Guys, we're fine. The Chiefs are so much better. But kind of like that Jets game, like the with each passing minute, you're like, uh, what's going on here? Like this is weird. I still cannot fathom how this game was an overtime game. Can't do it. With that, screw next week's games, screw this week's games. Talk to me about the season, Wally. We're halfway or a little past halfway, I guess, into the NFL season shockingly enough it feels like it was just yesterday that i was a bright-eyed browns fan thinking the browns could finish with 10 wins coming to the season i think all three of us made some pretty wild and inaccurate predictions some that came to fruition some that definitely did not what do you think you were most wrong about nine weeks ago definitely would say the atlanta falcons i know they lost yesterday i thought there was a realistic chance that they were a two or a three win team and instead, even after yesterday, 
I what I came away with is that I think the Falcons might be the best team in NFC South. And that, that is not like a good thing, but it that's where I'm at. I, I without a doubt, I swung and missed so hard. Hand up, all you rise up Falcons fans. I'm an idiot. I'm officially on the bandwagon. What were you most wrong about nine weeks ago? I had this as a tie. I, I'm with you on the Atlanta Falcons. I think I actually had them going three and 14 or something. Like I legitimately had them. I, mean, as I think you and I both did. It was an easy yeah. under, easy right. under win. Right. And uh, I, that's really wrong. But I, I, I've said it week after week after week after week. I was wrong on Geno Smith, was wrong on the Seahawks. But I think I'm, I'm most wrong on that because I didn't see a functional way that Geno Smith was as good as he's been. I know I was out on him and in on Drew Locke, but even I, like, even if I, I at that time, if you told me I was going to be wrong, I'd have been like, all right, fine. Geno Smith's probably like a game manager quarterback and, and uh, it starts the whole season. The Seahawks still go, you know, seven and, and whatever. The Seahawks are great. Geno Smith is playing above average quarterback play. And I think I picked that as what I was most wrong about because I, would have never in a million years thought that it was possible nine weeks ago. Whereas if you told me the Falcons were four and five, nine weeks ago, I'd have been like, all right, maybe they play better than I thought, but they're still not a great team. I, I didn't see the Seahawks coming. So that's what I think I'm most wrong about. Let me cut you off real quick. Just to give like people at home, you and I both had the under of total wins for the Falcons this year, three and 14 and four and 13 respectively. So <laughs> We are weird. They already pod. blew both of us. <laughs> we're, we're a football podcast, guys. Just wanted to remind you. <laughs> uh, all right. So on the flip side, <laughs> where we weren't wrong, what did you predict? Oh, you don't even need through? me to say it. You already know what uh, I predicted this year. I don't even have to do it. And I'll, I'll even, I'll take like an 80, like 4%. I want a solid B on this prediction because I thought Geno Smith was going to be effective. I thought he was going to be effective, and they were going to be a seven, eight wins tops team. Now, all of a sudden, I truly think they're 11 and six kind of good. So, I home run, I was I was on the right side of Geno Smith, but even I, I, I did not see this coming. So, that's a part right, I suppose. And I think that if you made me pick something else, like, no, everybody pump the brakes on the Chiefs. The Chiefs are really freaking good. I don't know why people want to sell stock on the Chiefs every damn year. Why? They're so good. As long as they have Pat Mahomes, they're they're a winner of that division unless something drastic changes. But what I think that I was most right about, and I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I might just be BSing the fans here, the Titans still being a good football team. I'm way ahead of that on you me were out on that Titans train long ago. I think I might have still had the Colts winning the, the division, but I think I still had the Titans at like nine or ten wins. And I could be wrong. I might have had the Titans winning the division, but I bet on coaching and Derrick Henry, and I think it's going to pay off because they found that identity again. They're not a great football team, and God forbid Malik Willis has to do anything special, and they're fucked. But as long as they're riding Derrick Henry, that team's a good enough football team to compete. I love that. And you were right. You deserve to take a, a little victory lap on that because I, I think I called the Titans a fall off a cliff this year. I think it was a bad, bad call. So I'm not even going to want to see that. But what do you say? Biggest surprise so far halfway through the year. Maybe not something you predicted, 
but something that you're watching, you're like, oh shit, that I did not see that coming. So back on the Geno train, that's again biggest surprise of the year by far. But to shake it up a little bit, I had the Eagles being good, but not this good. And I think I held them back because I didn't believe in Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts's giant step forwards as a player, and we touched on it earlier, man. His trajectory is so similar to Josh Allen, but I think Jalen Hurts is my biggest surprise in a good way outside of Geno Smith halfway through the season. I just I didn't see these players being as good as they are. Biggest surprise from a being bad perspective, the whole fucking AFC West. I'm like you literally just stole it. mine. I'm like mad about it because like all all four of these teams have the talent on the roster to win 10 games. The Raiders are faltering because of God knows what, I think, coaching. The Denver's faltering because Russell Wilson is ass cheeks and because they they don't have a good coach. I, I don't I think Hackett's trash. I, I think it's too. both. The Chargers are doing what the Chargers do best playing unpredictable football. You never know whether they're gonna be the great team or the shitty team and you know they might end up still winning 10 games but they don't feel like the team I thought they were going to be I, obviously the Chiefs are still great but the whole AFC West I had them all I said they could all potentially win 10 plus games I still think that's true that was true they're my the whole division's my biggest surprise in a disappointment way that's without a doubt mine I like don't even want to harp on about it we all thought that there was legitimately four playoff teams that could be out the AFC West instead Russell Wilson can't play football, terrible coach. Las Vegas, just disaster all the way around. Don't want to talk about it. And the Chargers do what the Chargers do, and they're hurt. They have basically malpracticed with forcing players back earlier, getting hurt again, and then look like shit. That's what I, although, biggest surprise if you want to go another way, I'll stick with disappointing teams that are a part of this podcast. No one on earth could have convinced me that the Packers were going to fall off this bad. I had them as an NFC champion team losing to the freaking Philadelphia Eagles to go to the Super Bowl. And instead, they're going to be just like you and me sitting on that couch watching football the first week of January. But get looking forward to the, the last half of the year here. Give me just a couple quick predictions that you think now that we have so much sample size that you're confident in. Two predictions back to back. Rams and Bucks missed the playoffs. I like that. I, I think I, at this point I'm with you. Yeah, I just like I both of those teams have the capability to turn it around and make me look like an idiot, as so many teams in the NFL like to do on a weekly basis. Both those teams have the talent to turn it around, and make me look like an idiot. But I, I just, man, even after they played each other, both of them feel like just a fucking pretender, and I feel like they're both going to miss the playoffs unless they're one of those teams that gets in at like eight and nine or something, right? I, I just it doesn't fit for me. Third prediction, man, I it's tough. There's like a lot of them I want to make. I think from a player perspective, and this is going to hinge on Josh Allen being hurt and maybe not missing games, but being hurt. I think Jalen Hurts wins the MVP. That's my that's my prediction. I think Geno Smith wins Offensive Player of the Year in the NFC. I, I you said that earlier, and I didn't have a chance. What about Saquon or someone like that? Do you think that somebody like that could? That's going to make it tricky. Here's the that's thing. like the player or position group to win that award all the time. Right. But Saquon and Gino, whoever you don't take for most improved player here, 
which I think maybe Saquon oh, for should, comeback player of the year for comeback player of the year. Saquon probably gets that award and they probably justify giving offensive player of the year to somebody else like to Gino. I don't think Hertz takes both because I think you have to award Gino provided he continues playing the way he's playing. I think you have to award him somehow with the Seahawks being probably a playoff team with him playing great football. I think Hertz wins the MVP, then Gino probably wins that offensive player of the year in the NFC award. But if Hertz doesn't win MVP, I don't know if Geno Smith wins an award, as as shocking as that sounds. And uh, I think that the fact that he's going to get paid more than like two, three million dollars a year is going to be award enough for Geno. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so those are my predictions. I could probably come up with you know a handful of more. I'm probably we're going to probably leave the podcast and I'm going to think of something. But like, God bless it, I forgot to say it. But I, I'm sure we'll ask Stephen these same questions on Thursday. So maybe I'll get a chance to say my piece if I forget something. What are your your couple predictions for the rest of the season? All right, I'll give you a couple real quick. One, Tyreek Hill's going to set the all-time wide receiver yards record this year. He's going to stay healthy. He's going to break it. We know that there's the extra game. Shit like that happens. You don't just accidentally break a record with an extra game. You still have to be really damn good. It's a historic season. He's going to do it. Jalen Waddle, he'll be over 1,500 yards, too. I'd love to see both get over 2,000. Another one for you here. The Philadelphia Eagles will be 13-0 in the second week of the second week of December before losing their first game of the year at New York to the New York Giants, and that will be the Philadelphia Eagles' only regular season loss this year. They will be 16-1 and and the one seed going into the playoffs. Oh, God. Now, that's spicy. I love that take, but that's spicy. It's spicy, all right. Here's my last one, and I want to hear yours too. That you have to do it now. Super Bowl pick midway through to start the year. I think I had Bills over Eagles in the Super Bowl. Love it if Josh Allen stays healthy. But now that the way the things are everywhere, it feels like anybody can come out of the AFC. It really anybody out of the, except for the AFC South. No one's coming out of the AFC South. (laughs) So I'm going to say Chiefs, Eagles, but I'm going to flip it now. And I'm going to say the Philadelphia Eagles actually get it done now. It's not the Buffalo Bills. Love the take. I don't remember who I picked for Super Bowl early in the year. Uh, I, as of it stands right now, Philadelphia on NFC for sure. If the Bills stay healthy, if Josh Allen stays healthy, I'm still on the Bills winning it all this year. Uh, if he's out for any amount of time, I'm. I think I'm going Eagles Chiefs, and I think I would take. Man, Chiefs coming off a Super Bowl aspiration loss, I would take the Chiefs because they've been there so much in the in recent memory. I think I'm taking the AFC regardless, even though that's probably going to be a bad take. And Philly's probably a better team than anyone shows up in the AFC. I just, if it's the Chiefs, I take the Chiefs. If it's the Bills and Eagles, I have no idea who the fuck I'm taking, but that's going to be the most electric Super Bowl of all time if it goes how I think it's going to go. That would be awesome. We never get these. We never get the built-up Super Bowl. We got to just cross our fingers because this year it feels like they're a couple of the only real elite teams out there. Yeah, on both sides of the ball and everywhere too. Like it's, it's, there are no real weaknesses on on either of those teams i love these picks david but you know what some people like to say love can be blind do you think love is blind david 
Because to the people at home that don't understand, I am into garbage TV. And when I have a rare moment where I find a friend that is also into a shitty show, I eat it up. And David, thank God for you. You are also a Love is Blind fan. Now I have to preface this and you're going to be mad at me. I have not seen episode 10. So that's good. That's because it, it gives people at home kind of like spoilers without getting all the way spoiled. If you have not seen it and you want to, which I really doubt it if you're listening to this podcast, then, you know, skip this. However, David, I just had to bring it up because you and I have been talking about it. We're just about done. Worst show of all time, but unbelievable. I can't stop watching. That's how I feel. So I, for for you listeners at home, I fucking hate reality television. I am out on it always. But three years ago, I think it was three years ago, I was doing something where I just like to have TV on in the background. And it was like the number one trending show on Netflix. And I just said, you know what? Screw it. Like, I'll just put it on play in the background. And like, I'll I see what the, not- the fuss is all about. Yeah, I could not. I like did. I was distracted. Like I could not do whatever I was doing. I was like eyes glued to the disaster that this is going to be. And oh boy, what a journey it's been. But this season sucks. Everyone on the show sucks. I have nobody I like. I don't know, man. I feel like you're you you're watching a plane crash and you know it's going to hit the mountain. You're just sitting there like, is it really going to? Is it really going to? And it's just like you can't take your eyes off of it. I mean, it's such a bad show. And I encourage anyone out there, if you don't like shows like this, just don't even bother. Don't even bother because it's oh, even if you enjoy shows like this, you'll be miserable. Yeah. But it's like the whole season is just bad. It's bad characters. It's, it's, and I say characters, and I'm not even sure they're real people. Half of them are selfish, self loving sociopaths. No, no, God, no, you're right. First of all, because it, I told you, I love this smut TV. I'm a Bachelor fan, Bachelor in Paradise, Bachelorette, feed it to me. I eat it all up. But I had to make a conscious decision today on the plane not to watch episode 10. Because, you know, in that one in a million chance, the plane goes down. I didn't want to have the thought of that being like my last conscious move on Earth is watching this show. I couldn't justify that. It's just. I, okay. So premise for people at home, just two seconds. We won't talk long. I, I, I know we're running really long here, but we decided to bring it up because we hate the show and love it at the same time. You go into this pod for like a couple weeks. You can't see the other person, hence the name Love is Blind. You're just talking and you're supposed to make this emotional connection. And that is how you are supposed to find your love of your life. And it's always awesome because in these pods, people, oh my God, like you're such a nice person. I love them so much. And then all of a sudden, the real world happens. They see each other. And then naturally, because it's a TV show, then they like put them all together again. And it always causes more drama. No one ever wins. And by wins, I mean, makes it out of it with a couple. You just have to watch fringe TV as people make life, just like altering decisions. Every single character sucks. They're all bad people. And it makes me nervous that, is that the norm? Am I being a cynic? Is that like the the average person now? Like, there's more people like us than them. I really have to believe that. No, there are definitely more people like us than them. They, they're, you have to be this kind of person to go find love on a TV show is what I've told myself. You just know you're getting shitty people to begin with. 
even though like the first two seasons, there were still really good people that you just really rooted for. But this season sucks. It's just it's just shitty people who just want to be famous. I'm convinced. To wrap this all back up into a football podcast style, Wally, Monday Night Football just started. Anything you got on Monday Night Football? No, this is even the worst part. This four days have been such a blur. I don't remember who I picked. So whatever I said last Thursday, that's what I meant. I have to imagine it. It was either the under, over, or the Ravens. I can't imagine betting Andy Dalton primetime. I can't imagine I did that. I said it last week. I You don't take Andy Dalton or Kirk Cousins in primetime. I'm Baltimore favorite still. They're going to blow out the Saints. I feel it. I'm just feeling it. I'm feeling it. Anyways, Wally, hit us with the outro. Take us away. I got you, man. That is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Lost Down. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms at Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Lost Down, and our Twitter at Down underscore Lost. Remember that this episode was brought to you today by Abby Turner Creative. So, David, let's wrap up episode 100. It was a blast. I had a ton of fun. I know it was a little different. It's a little bit more nonchalant, a little bit less, uh, I, I guess, researched. I hope you guys understand. We'll be back to our normal stuff going here. But I wanted to mix it up, do a little something different. So I hope you guys enjoyed. David, any last words for us? No, I'm just excited to ask Steven some of these podcast questions, like the history of the podcast questions on Thursday. I'd be interested so, too. I'm scared to hear what he has to say. I think you should be, but I also think it could be surprising. <laughs> but anyways, move. that's all I got. So everyone be ready to hear, hear his answers on Thursday. Exactly. Episode 101, the Dalmatian episode. Be ready for Steven, guys. We'll see you guys here next time. And again, as always, thank you for listening.